Hey, Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. It has been a while since I said that. Thank you all so much for your patience. I am so excited to be back and filming. I graduated, which is a huge milestone and life change. So I had taken some time after graduation to just rest, recover, rejuvenate. I went on a huge grad trip to Europe, which was very fun. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw all my photos. I was definitely spamming my Instagram stories, but we didn't film at all. I I don't think I filmed a podcast in maybe two, three months now. So I'm so excited to be back. And this episode is one that I am so excited about because negotiating is something that is so important in your life. I have had so many conversations with people who listen to the podcast, people in my personal life, people at school, and there's always so much confusion and anxiety and just really bad connotation around negotiations. I feel like no one likes doing it. I personally don't. I am such a people pleaser and I hate confrontation. So whenever I have to negotiate something, I just don't like it. So I took this professor who's on the podcast today, Ryan Manning, Professor Manning, I took her course this past year and I really, really, really feel like it helped me so much. I'm not going to lie. I was a bit skeptical at first because I wasn't sure how you really teach negotiations. I always kind of thought that it was something you were either good at or you weren't, or you just like had the personality for, or you didn't. That could not be further from the truth. Practicing and learning techniques and really understanding what negotiation is and the proper terms and how to approach them, how to prepare for them really, really helped. So I knew after the first class, I needed to do an episode with her so she can share everything in kind of a Coles Notes condensed version of the course with all of you. So I would honestly say get a pen and paper out, take lots of notes, listen to this episode a few times because she gives a lot of good advice on how to approach negotiations. She uses a few terms like BATNA, which she'll talk about in the episode, all really key things that you need to succeed in negotiations, whether that's in your personal life, where you're going to go for dinner, where you're going to go on a vacation, where you're going to meet with your friends for dinner, or that salary. I know that's a really common question we get. We get a lot of questions on how people can negotiate their salaries or tips for negotiating salaries. I am definitely not an expert, but I do think that after taking this course, I've added a lot of really key tools and resources to my tool belt that I can now use negotiating. But I really hope that this episode helps you and I hope that if you are either negotiating now or later on in life or later on in the year when you're entering a negotiation, I hope you come back to this episode because I think there's so many key tips and tricks you can use. And if you have any other questions about anything we talked about in this episode or anything in regards to negotiation, please DM us or send us a message. We'd love to keep the conversation going offline and maybe we can make some TikToks or Instagram posts kind of sharing more tips that I learned from the course. So if you're interested, let us know. We'd be happy to share more. But without further ado, I'll get into the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into Business Casual. Your support means so much. Every single one of you listening, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to support the Business Casual. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at business.casual.podcast if you aren't already. And as always, enjoy the episode. Hey, Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual podcast, and we are bringing you another phenomenal guest, and actually, for the first time ever on Business Casual, someone who I've had the pleasure of working with inside of the classroom, my first professor I've ever had on the podcast, so without further ado, I'd love to introduce Ryan Manning to the show to introduce yourself. Hi, thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here. I'm, yeah, my name's Ryan Manning. I'm an assistant professor here at the Robin School of Management. And had the pleasure of having Stacey in my in my managerial negotiations class last term. 
which is a class that I'd heard about for a long time. Like I think it was even maybe first year or second year and people had been talking about it because negotiating is one of those topics that one is very important in business, but two outside of business, just in your personal life, you are always negotiating. And I have to say, I had a very different perspective on what negotiating was before I took your class. And that was one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on because the question that we get a lot is how do I negotiate better? Or like, how do I manage these professional conversations when I want to keep the relationship intact and I really care about this person? So I'm really excited to dig into everything and hear your perspective because I think that you taught the course really well and the way that it was set up is really different from any other classes. I won't go into depth because I know most people that are listening won't be able to take your class. But we did a lot of practice negotiations and it was a lot of like role playing and scenarios and situations really putting yourself in the shoes of someone who was negotiating something. So I think that really helped. And so I want to talk about that and kind of tips we can give people who obviously won't have the chance to take your class because they aren't students anymore. But I kind of want to start at the very beginning of how you kind of got into teaching that kind of class and when you started building your own negotiation skills. Like walk us through that. Yeah. So I've been teaching this class since I joined the faculty here at Rotman in 2017. But my kind of journey with negotiations started when I was a master's student and I had a required negotiations kind of module first, and then I took a negotiations course. And I have to say, going into that, it was not something that I was looking for. It was not, this was not a skill that I thought I wanted to build. I was in, I was in school. I wanted to build sort of, I don't know, technical skills, analytic skills, take a lot of statistics, learn substance, you know, subject matter substance that I was interested in. And this was something that we were required to take. And I just found it really transformative. I found like the the concepts and the skills that I built in that course were the ones that I used the most as I entered, you know, my first jobs after after my master's degree. And so when I had the chance and had the, you know, privilege of and the luck to be able to choose what I wanted to teach when I joined the faculty here, it was really kind of a no-brainer that there was this opportunity to teach the undergraduate negotiations course for Rotman Commerce students. And I just thought this is a great, this is a great opportunity to really feel like I'm confident that that what I'm teaching is useful and people are going to be able to take it away and use it in their lives, in their work lives, in their personal lives. And so, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. And one of the most surprising things to me when I first joined the class was the way that we approach negotiations, because in my mind, it's always been a win-lose scenario. Because in when I approach negotiations pre-taking the course, I always found that in every negotiation, there was someone who had a bit more leverage or someone who had something more to gain from the outcome of the situation or negotiation. And so now the most common thing that I've had to negotiate is like a salary or like job offers or any type of kind of commitment during school or any part-time job. It's always felt that I've had less leverage going into the negotiation. And so when I first walked into your class and kind of the first thing I want to talk about is like, what are some myths around negotiating that like we need to de- debunk that's the word I'm looking for and kind of break down because I feel like it is such a very intimidating thing and so kind of want to start with what you think the biggest myths are things that, like need to be debunked because and I'll share mine that I learned from your class yeah that's great so it is you know it's one of the places that we start with the course and I like you I think I part of why I never thought of myself as a negotiator is I felt like a lot of anxiety about you know going into a negotiation it's this win-lose competition it's it's something that you know you have to kind of be 
ready for conflict, you know, and go head to head. And I think we have these myths around negotiation, thinking of it as, you know, as a battle, as something that, you know, there's one person who's a winner, one person a loser, and that it's going to be conflictual, it's going to be unpleasant, you know, you're going to sort of feel like you have to be kind of a jerk. And and those kinds of myths really turn they deter a lot of us from feeling comfortable in a negotiation. You know, maybe we do it when we have to, but we feel uncomfortable about it. And so, yeah, what what you find when you learn more about negotiations and when you look at research around negotiations is, you know, really negotiations, it can be an opportunity to create value. It's an opportunity for us to sit down. We have some interdependence. There's something that we need to accomplish that we can't accomplish on our own. Because if, if I could accomplish it on my own, I, I wouldn't need to sit down and negotiate with you. And so there's some reason why we have some interdependence, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's, it's, it's that our interests are opposed. It doesn't mean that it has to be a source of conflict. It can be that we can actually, you know, develop some creative solutions together or find ways to create value, you know, through the process of, of negotiation. And I think that's one of the things that, yeah, it, it really is a big mental shift when you realize that that's the case. And the anxiety portion really is one of the biggest parts to it. I think it definitely is mental because when I am doing anything in regards to negotiation, I'm always thinking what the other person is going to think of me and what mm-hmm. they're going to say. And I think this is common across the board for so many different scenarios that we run through our minds, not just negotiating. It's always like, what is the other person going to say? Because a lot of the times it's not that we're going to walk away from that conversation and never see that person again or never have to work with them. So I'm always so scared that I'm going to be too pushy or too bossy or the other person thinks that I'm asking for too much and that I'm not respecting them. That's another thing that I've really struggled with is that if I'm negotiating with anyone who's older than me, I'm like, I don't want them to think that I don't respect their point of view because I do, but I feel that where I'm coming from, like they don't, like there's just, we don't see eye to eye. And so I think the anxiety portion is so valid. And I think that's why so many people just shy away and walk away, but then it sucks because you don't get the outcomes you want. And it just ends up not really benefiting anyone, which I think is you're talking about with the creating value. I think that's right. And I think also, you know, one way to overcome that is to really, and, and sort of touching on this question of relationships that you were talking about, is like to really understand where the other person's coming from and what, you know, what interest do they have? What is it that they would like to get, you know, out of this negotiation? And is there some way in which you could actually meet their interests and your interests at the same time? You know, so, you know, I think a salary negotiation is one that I know is like top of mind for many Young people who might be starting their first jobs or, you know, all of us face that challenge. But, you know, it is also true that the employer who you're sitting down across from, you know, they want you to take this job. They've chosen you as the candidate and they want you to be, you know, earning a salary that means they can retain you. And so, yes, on one level, like they'd like to pay you less and you'd like to be paid more. But, you know, there's also ways in which you can find those shared interests that I think can help. You know, yeah, that's kind of what I mean when I talk about creating value. Or there may be something, you know, one thing we talked about in the course is there may be something that, you know, is really important to you, but actually not that important to the employer. So maybe, you know, they, you care a lot about what your title is. And in a small organization, they might not actually care what your title is. You might, there might be a lot of freedom to give you a title that, that you value a lot and that helps set you up for your career going forward without that costing the employer much. And so if you can approach the negotiation in a way that, you know, you're trying to understand where the other person's coming from, anticipate what their interests are, but then also really centering, you know, and and remembering what your interests are and what are your goals, you know, what are you trying to get out of this? And uh, that, that there can be, there can be, yeah, there's, you know, it doesn't have to be such a source of anxiety. And I think a big part too is having, is knowing who to ask the question and like asking questions. That's another thing I learned and that was a big thing that was debunked in the course for me in terms of negotiation was that I never asked enough questions because I 
again, didn't want to give too much information from my own. Like I didn't want to tell them what I wanted first because then I thought that they would just say that, like shoot it down right away or that would kind of, I know we talked about in the class, like anchoring the conversation. So if I said like one number, I didn't want them, that to be like what the conversation was about. Or I didn't want to ask too many questions because I didn't want them to start thinking that maybe my, I wanted to go take the conversation a different route. So asking questions. And I think especially when it comes to like salaries and stuff, this is where having a mentor is really important and having conversations before and preparing. I think that a lot of people underprepare and they don't think things through enough. I know for me, I, a lot of the negotiations were also via email. They weren't even face to face. So I wanted to answer the emails right away and like be super professional. And so I was kind of trying to get it over with as soon as possible. But I have a girlfriend of mine and I commend her because she's not even in business in a completely different field, but she is so good at asking questions and not letting up until she feels that it's fair for both sides. But I think that having someone in your corner or having someone you trust that you can best prepare for negotiations, regardless of what it is, whether like you're buying your first house or leasing a condo and signing papers, like whatever it might be, I think that having someone that you trust to ask questions to or just to kind of know what the benchmark is. Because that's another thing that I don't like and why I also hesitate to negotiate and why I usually try and ponder off to other people is that I don't feel that I know what is fair yet or I don't know what benchmarks are in certain places. And I think it's just with my age as well because it's the first time I'm in the industry. So that's kind of been something I've been adding and trying to keep in my toolbox and keep in the front of my mind when I'm doing any type of negotiations is trying to ask as many questions and find people that I have maybe gone through this before that can give me their two cents that comes from like a good place. Yeah. I'm so glad that you raised the issue of preparation. I mean, one of the things we know from research on negotiation is that in many ways, the biggest difference between expert and novice negotiators is how they prepare and how much time they put into preparation. And I think it, it is something that, you know, can really transform both how you feel about in negotiations and how you perform in a negotiation, what kinds of outcomes you're able to get is, ha- is how you prepare. So yeah, doing your research beforehand. What is a fair wage? You know, what is what are the salaries in this field? Can I talk to other people who have joined this company recently who, you know, might know what is negotiable? What's not negotiable? You know, what's on the table? What kinds of things could I ask for? Doing research on your own and the other parties, you know, positions we in the class we talk about, I think one of the core constructs for a negotiation that, you know, I I had never heard a word I'd never heard until I took a negotiations course. And then now I sort of throw it into casual conversation in a way that, you know, stigmatizes me as a negotiation nerd. But, you know, is this idea of BATNA is what we call it, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And so basically what that means is you need to know you know, what is my fallback? What is it that is going to be the alternative to this negotiation that I'm sitting down to right now? And you need to understand what that is for yourself, but you also need to understand it for the other party. And that's just one piece of preparation, but really thinking through, you know, okay, I'm, I'm negotiating for this job. What is the other job that I have? Is it one that I have already in my back pocket? Or is it, you know, a possible job that I don't have yet? And then what do I think the probability is that I would get that job? And what do I think the value of that job is? And what is the other party's best alternative? You know, do they have a whole line of candidates out the door who have exactly the same skills as me? Well, that puts me in a weaker position. But if if I have a unique set of skills and they, you know, have been looking for someone for this position for a long time, you know, then actually their alternative is 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 weaker, right? They would like to have me start in this job. So, you know, thinking through, you know, your alternative and the other party's alternative as part of your preparation, I think is a really one really important key piece of that. 
And if you were in that scenario, I think it's also important to understand how you can market yourself to ensure that they understand your unique value you're bringing to the table. I think again, in negotiations, a lot of times people get flustered or get anxious and they forget that they're also still selling themselves throughout the negotiation process. I think you brought it up in one of the earlier answers, but having creative solutions as well, which is something that I also didn't really know about or didn't think was an option before I took the class. And again, I think it goes back to like your research and like using things like Glassdoor or even just a Google search or LinkedIn to kind of understand what that company, what their culture is like and see other things. Maybe it's like vacation days or like you mentioned your title. But I think again, it's understanding what value you can bring to the table and how you can market yourself best so that it seems like a fair trade-off at all times. Yeah. So you're making the case for why, you know, why should they give you what you're asking for? Like, what is your value that you're bringing? And really, you know, believing that yourself and making that case during the negotiation. And like you said, asking questions so you can understand as much as possible, you know, both before and during the negotiation, understand as much as possible about where they're, where they're coming from. And, and yeah, we can talk more about relationship, but I think, you know, also being very clear, you know, in how you approach the negotiation, if the relationship is something that you value, you know, I I often encourage people entering into a negotiation around a new job. If you want to take this job, make it very clear from the beginning, like, listen, I would really like to accept this job. Like, I am excited about this. And what I'd like to do is for us to come up with a, you know, an agreement, a package that will make it possible for me to take this job, right? So you're not saying like, listen, hey, I'm out the door if you don't meet my demands. Yeah. But you're saying, I would really like for us together to come up with a package that will enable me to take this job because I would really like to come work for you. And I think that really transforms the tone of the negotiation in a way that, at least for me, has worked very well and and feels more comfortable. We're going to take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsor, AG1. I absolutely love this product. I've been using it every single day for almost a year now especially now that I've been traveling, I've been taking the travel packs with me everywhere I go. And it is so easy. I was so tired of taking so many supplements and different vitamins. And I was always confused when I should be taking which supplements and how many I should be taking and what was better for which and which brands to use. So AG1 has just changed that totally. It has made my routine so much easier. I feel like I'm getting all of my vitamins, nutrients, and supplements, and everything I need in my body before I even eat breakfast. I drink AG1 in the morning, right when I wake up. Also forces me to drink water, which is great. It makes me feel ready to go. It, I think, has helped my skin. I feel like I'm always glowing after I take it. And I really feel like I'm doing something good for my body without having to even think about it. I've tried tons of different supplements before, but I love that AG1 is just a one-stop solution to support my whole body health. And I also love that it saves me so much time in the morning and makes everything so much easier because it's just one scoop in a cold glass of water. I love to take it really cold and I just shake that up, drink it. it takes me like three minutes to drink. I don't have to think about it. I know that I'm getting everything good that my body needs. It has over 75 high quality vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients. I also know that it's just chocked full of everything that's good for my body because it really is a top foundational nutritional product. And I really can't think of anything else in my routine that I stick to more than AG1 because I really do trust the product. 
If you're looking for a simpler, effective investment in your health, try AG1 today and get five free AG1 travel packs and one free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to drinkag1.com slash business casual. That is drinkag1.com slash business casual. Check it out. Delivery is so important. I really learned that through the class and some of the negotiations, especially when it was multi-party negotiations. And there's many people at the table and there's a lot of voices. The way that you deliver and the way that you say what you want in a negotiation can really help make or break some of those relationships, which is really important. And I think that is something that I don't necessarily like in today's day and age, which is just like natural how things are, especially during COVID. It's a lot of things are via email, via LinkedIn, call it text message, whatever you want. It's not a lot of face-to-face. So I also think that for me, practicing negotiations and kind of encouraging that face-to-face because that's how I've practiced majority of my negotiation skills also really helps because the delivery can sometimes be misconstrued online. And obviously you do have to, I guess, gain those skills still, but I personally think that it's a lot easier to negotiate face-to-face or even on a phone call rather than via email. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky when things are in writing. I agree. I also find that hard. The one upside is that you can get you know, you can get advice. You mentioned mentors earlier and trusted voices. It's like, if I'm negotiating something that's in writing, I am going to send that email to a friend or someone before I send it through to whoever I'm negotiating with, you know, just to sort of make sure that my intention is coming through and that the tone that I want is coming through and somebody who's going to call you out and say, you know, maybe you have too many exclamation points or like, when you say this, you know, it sounds like you're you know, it same sounds maybe more critical than you want to be or more into whatever it is, you know, to sort of help you craft that message. And I think it is nice that you do have everything in writing. A tip that I will also share that I learned from the class that if you are negotiating online, face-to-face on Zoom or through phone calls to take notes and make sure that everyone has those notes, because that can also be a very sticky situation you get yourself into if you don't keep good notes and not everyone has the same notes, because mm-hmm. then that just adds a whole other layer of complication to the yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's said, everybody walks away thinking that they're on the same page, but actually you heard things differently. So, yeah. Exactly. And another thing we talked about in class, which I wanted to bring up, is kind of the difference that men and women face when negotiating because there are certain differences in just like personalities and the way that negotiations go that sometimes men and women kind of approach those things differently. So I kind of want to give you the floor because I feel you can say it in a lot better words than I can say it and kind of like what the research has shown and kind of what you've seen through your studies and research. Yeah, great. So this has been such an important question that researchers have been trying to disentangle for a long time, which is, you know, are there gender differences in negotiation? Do men and women approach negotiations differently? Are men, you know, I think the old school perspective was like, oh, well, men are more likely to negotiate and they're better at it, right? They just get more value. And, you know, that is certainly not, (laughs) that's not what the research is telling us now. It's certainly not, you know, my kind of, that's not the takeaway here. But, you know, I think there's been a lot of work trying to figure this out. I think that, you know, a few things that we've discovered over the years, and I say we, but I actually, this is not a field of research that I'm engaged in. So I benefit a lot here from, you know, important work by other scholars. But is that, so one, that the situation really matters. So, you know, there's this, that, that, you know, there are potentially gender differences, just like there are, you know, we're socialized in different ways, our different expectations, you know, but, and the, but the situation also really matters. 
So situation, the, the culture of the organization that we're in, the, the larger culture that we're in, like what kind of national culture are we in? The situation, what is the type of negotiation? So it may be that a negotiation around pay and salary is gendered in a masculine way that then sort of makes salient these gender, these gender differences between men and women and can result in sort of different kinds of effects. But a different kind of negotiation in a different sphere, you know, could be actually, it completely erases any gender differences because actually it doesn't make gender different, you know, salient in the same way. So, but what we know, so to the extent that gender might matter, that there might be differences between men and women, you know, I think one thing that there's some research suggesting men are more likely to, might be more likely to initiate a negotiation. And this is especially true where there's ambiguity about whether yeah. there, there is, this is something you could negotiate. So, you know, you go in and it's very clear that everybody negotiates. I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. There's like a market and you're, and, and everybody's buying fruits and vegetables and it's like the prices are negotiable. Okay, fine. Everyone knows that you negotiate men and women are probably equally likely to negotiate in that scenario. But if there's an environment where it's actually ambiguous as to whether it's appropriate to negotiate, you know, should you ask for more salary or is this a, a package that's just a, a take it or leave it? You know, can I negotiate my my title? Internships are usually one that a lot of people are always questioning, like, do I negotiate this or is this a set rate? Are, like you hear some people say, oh, yeah, like, I was able to ask for more. But then you're not sure if that translates to your company because some companies have different policy. So I think that's one that I hear a lot of ambiguity around of like whether internship salaries are. And I think it, there's no clear answer. It really does depend on the company, what the program is set up to be. That's great. Okay, thanks. So that's a great example. Yeah. So so in that case, in, in that case, we might expect men to be more likely to initiate negoci negotiations in that context. So there's this question of sort of whether the behavior is different and then maybe different kinds of negotiating tactics. So maybe men are, you know, on average socialized to be more assertive in negotiations or to ask for more, you know, to claim more values of themselves. And the other possibility is that there is backlash. So there's other also this possibility that certain kinds of tactics are seen as acceptable if a man does it and are not as acceptable if a woman does it. And again, that's going to be very situational, right? So you could be in a company where actually there's a really sort of gendered culture of what, or, or just a very male-dominated culture where, in fact, women who go ahead and negotiate might be sort of frowned upon. But you could be in another organizational culture where that's just not the case at all, right? And so I think understanding the situation that you're operating in, understanding the other person that you're negotiating with, and understanding, you know, is this a situation where I need to really be aware of possible backlash? where I need to be aware of how my, you know, tactics and, and strategies might just have to adapt. You know, I might have to be a little bit more clever about how I negotiate in a way that is congruent with expectations for women instead of sort of going against gender stereotypes in a way that I could be punished for. And so, you know, it kind of, it, it's it's like, of course, an unfair burden to the extent that, you know, those lesser women have to think about this. I will also say, you know, there is absolute, it is absolutely likely that other kinds of social identities intersect with gender in, and also have these effects, right? So it may also be that people of certain racialized identities, you know, have some tactics that are available to them or some tactics that are not available to them in the context of a negotiation, you know, because of their, their racialized identity. And so, you know, it, it, I wish that wasn't the case, but I think we then need to understand this research as a source of power. So for me as a female negotiator and also a, a professor of negotiation, you know, I really think of this as a source of power. Like 
to the extent that there might be, for example, research suggesting that women are less likely to negotiate. Well, I just take that as a point of pride that I will always negotiate for a salary, for example. I, I will ask for a, a higher salary every single time, even if I think the answer is likely to be no, because I just want to counteract that tendency, right? And so I'm aware of it and I use it to inform my approach and I, you know, just it, it's sort of a source of, of inspiration for me, I guess, or, or like a kick in the butt to actually to actually negotiate where I might not otherwise, because, well, if, if a guy is going to negotiate in this in this scenario, then I should, too. And it actually I mean, I don't know if everyone agrees with this, but to me, it's it, I do agree with you. It's very motivating to know that it's, it's also it kind of makes you a little bit angry to know that if you do accept a job and then. 20 minutes later, someone else were to accept that job and they negotiated and you didn't. It kind of, you feel as though you've been cheated a bit. So I, it, it's really interesting. I remember in class when we first went through it, I was really intrigued by it. And it is like, there's just so many questions that you want to ask. Like, is it because of the way like we're socialized when we're younger and the way that boys and girls kind of interact and the types of conversations they have and the types of, I guess, like really early negotiations, like whether that be like toys on a playground or that's like immediately my mind goes to like, is it from when you were younger or is it just that women tend to be a little bit more like relationship driven and really want to nurture relationships and say that they don't want to ruffle any feathers or they don't want any confrontation. I don't know any of the research. These are just things that are coming to my mind, but it, there's a lot of questions surrounding this that obviously I'm sure are unanswered or have so many variables that could impact it. But it is so interesting because I think that a lot of the conversations we have, a lot of women feel the same way and have these same struggles and challenges when it comes to negotiating. And I also don't understand why negotiation, negotiating isn't kind of taught more or there isn't as many resources because to my knowledge, I don't really know how you would go about learning negotiation skills. I don't know what, if there are, I don't know, certificates you can get in or courses you can take that are like online courses. I'm not really sure how you overcome that in general. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a great point. Also, as you're as you're th as you're talking about, you know, these possible differences in socialization, it just reminds me that I do want to say, you know, I think one thing that historically has been the case with this research is that it's predominantly focused in Western to rich Western countries. And so, you know, I will put like a big asterisk, I think, and that is, you know, the background that I grew up in the United States in a pretty individualized society and, yeah. and a society that, you know, traditionally was male dominated where I think girls and women, you know, for a long time were kind of discouraged from negotiating, at least negotiating on their behalf, you know, or mm -hmm. were taught to be more relational and more accommodating. And so, but that's a very specific sort of social and cultural background. And so other people listening, you know, may come from a different background where this just doesn't resonate. I think in terms of learning negotiation skills, I mean, one thing I'd say, I, I always, I wish I had better like courses to point to in terms of specific, I can't, I can't tell everybody like, oh, there's this great online course. But, but I would say that I think that the sort of way that negotiation is taught, which we use in our, in my course of these experiences, experiential, you know, doing negotiation cases, that's the way that people teach negotiation across the board. And it really works. And so, you know, I think to anybody who's interested, if you can find a negotiations course, you know, if it's at your local university or whatever, you know, I think it can be a real opportunity and, and you have the chance to try out these skills in a kind of low stakes environment and really experiment with, you know, strategies and tactics and preparation and in a way that will give you a lot more, a lot more confidence. So I, I do highly, 
highly encourage. And the research, you know, the research shows that any gender differences that might exist across the board, you know, in terms of meta, like meta-analysis of existing studies. So looking back across all the studies that have been done and trying to sort of aggregate the findings is one of the things that can erase any gender differences is becoming a more expert negotiator. So having better skills. And a negotiation course is a great way along that progression. And among people who really understand and, you know, have developed these skills, then you just don't see the same kinds of gender differences in outcomes and in likelihood to negotiate, which isn't to say that everybody negotiates in the same way. You know, it's not just gender. Like one of the things that we talk about a lot in the course is this is something that you have to figure out your own style and your own approach. And what is your philosophy of negotiation? What's your, you know, how do you feel about ethics and how do you feel about these different kinds of, of approaches to negotiation? And so that's an, an individualized kind of journey. I'm sure even generationally, like age gaps, because generations see different things differently and kind of learn things differently and might have different viewpoints or different perspectives. And obviously when you're in the workforce, you might be dealing with someone who's like 40 years older than you or 20 years younger than you. So I think going back to what we talked about at the beginning of kind of understanding where someone else is coming from and really putting yourself in their shoes can also potentially help make it for a more enjoyable negotiation and kind of even the playing field so everyone feels that they're being heard and seen in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to reiterate that we spoke about earlier was that the worst thing that someone can say in a negotiation is no. And I know that word is really scary and it's something that is brought up in almost every single conversation we have with all of our guests because regardless of what you're doing, whether you're scared to raise your hand for a promotion, whether you're scared to leave your job to take on entrepreneurship full-time, whether you're scared to do content creation, like post on social media because of what people think, like the worst thing that anyone's going to say to you is no or they're just not going to respond altogether. And so that also to me really is comforting because – the worst they could say is no, which I already have kind of accepted because that would be where I am right now. Nothing would change. So that yeah. is also something I would just like reiterate and want to kind of say again because I think it is really important in terms of negotiations. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's not so scary. Like it, it's okay if you, you know, might not work out, but it's still worth asking. Yeah. 100%. And so well, my last question is what is, if you had to give like one tip or you were going into negotiation, you had like one minute to tell someone something, what is like the one piece of advice that you would give someone entering a negotiation? Oh, one piece of advice. That's hard. Let me think. And I already told you all about, I, t- I told you about Batna, which is my one thing that everybody should everybody should know. I, I mean, I think the most important tip, so I, I'm just going to be a little bit of two pieces, but I think one is you're going into the negotiation to have a pretty clear sense of what your goals are. Like, what is it before you go into that negotiation that you're hoping to accomplish? And not that those necessarily need to be rigid goals. Like, in fact, they should be flexible if you're going to be open to this kind of, you know, learning more from the other person during the negotiation, the opportunities for creative problem solving. But if you don't set goals, then you're just, you know, you're yeah, the more ambitious and and sort of, yeah, the more ambitious goals you set, the better outcome you're going to have. And so one is to set goals, but then the counterpart of that is to also know what is your walkaway point? What is your resistance point is, is what we call it in the, in, you know, in the negotiation scholarship and, and teaching, which is basically like, you know, how good does this deal that I'm negotiating right now have to be for it to be better than my alternative? When do I walk away? You know, so it's like, okay, my goal is to, I don't know, 
I want to buy a bicycle. My goal is to buy this bicycle for $100. You know, that's maybe not a realistic goal, but it's an ambitious goal. But what's the point where the price becomes too high that it's just not worth my buying it and I'm better off walking away and trying to get a bicycle somewhere else, right? And that's a very simple example. But we get involved. Once you start negotiating, we have a very strong bias toward agreement. And so it's a really strong desire to reach a deal in this environment. And that's why we end up overpaying for things or accepting a deal that we're not happy with. Or I don't know, in the personal realm, like I'm negotiating with some friends right now about where we might go away for a weekend. And like, if I'm not really clear about what my you know, walk away point is I could end up agreeing to a trip that is more money than I want to spend to go somewhere that I don't want to go. Right. And so I need to have a clear sense of, you know, if I'm here's where we need to get to for this to be worth it for me. And then it's kind of the counterpart of you saying like to be okay with the word no is also to be okay with saying no. Right. So it's okay to say to somebody, you know what? I'm really glad we tried to negotiate this. I'm really glad, you know, we did our best to try to come to an agreement that we would both be happy with. But you know what? Actually, I think we're both better off, or at least I'm better off if we don't reach an agreement. I'm I'm better off with my alternative. And to be comfortable with that as an outcome, that that's not a failure. That's actually, you know, the best possible outcome sometimes, given that, you know, depending on the circumstances. So, and I think yeah. so many people walk away from negotiations or conversations kicking themselves not understanding why they said yes to things. And I know that is very, very, very common for me because I always say yes, even to simple things like a plan with like a friend that I just know that I'm not going to fall through with because I just, that just does not work for me. It's way too complicated and nowhere close to where I live. But then the day comes and you're, I'm like, I don't know why I said yes to this, but I just didn't really think about it. And I, that's what it, I didn't think about it in the moment. And I was just wanting to say yes because I feel bad. And I wanted to end the conversation or get out of the conversations so you end up saying yes to things and the time comes and you're really regretful for it so i think it's definitely relatable outside of just business but also personal life as well yeah yeah absolutely it's very tempting to just agree you know especially you're trying to yeah you care about the other person you care about the relationship you want to say yes but actually to really think about, you know, and it's not just yes or no, but to think about like, hey, you have proposed this plan. It is going to involve me taking like several buses across town on Friday night. How about if we come up with another plan that just works better for that, that kind of meets both of our needs. And so I think that's where thinking about some of our interpersonal interactions as negotiations can actually be really kind of powerful. And also really good practice for when you get to the professional ones that might be higher stakes and mean a lot more to you or be a lot more important in your grand scheme of life. So it's good practice as well to kind of think about yeah. those goals and what you want to get out of the negotiation and when you're going to walk away and what your baton is and all that good stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming on Business Casual. We have one more question, actually. This okay. is the question that we finish every episode with. It can be any advice related to personal, professional development, anything you want. But what's one thing you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout that's really stuck with you? I love this question. It had me thinking for a few days, trying to think about what what is the advice that I think is most helpful. But you know, what I've been thinking about has, is about mentors. So I think a piece of advice that I actually don't think I got, or maybe I got, but I wasn't ready to hear early in my career was the importance of mentors. And I think a, 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 an attachment to that is that you don't just have one mentor. I guess I think I had this idea of like, you find one perfect mentor whose you know, life you want, whose job you want, and you just do everything that they did, or you get their advice on everything. But I think, you know, I've gotten this advice over the years to really 
change the way you think about mentors to think about like a network of mentors or a whole community of mentors. And you might have mentors for different parts of your life, you know, and they, some of them might be peers and some of them might be friends and some might be professional, you know, supervisors or professional mentors. But you really think about, you know, what is it that each of those people offer to me and how do I cultivate, you know, a whole community of mentors that's going to help me, you know, do the best that I can and and to not be afraid to go to them and ask for advice and, you know, cultivate those relationships and, and also use them, you know, not in a, not in a, not in an extractive way, but, you know, building a relationship with somebody where they're really helping to support you. And, and so that's something I wish I had taken more to heart early on, but it's something I, I certainly try to do now. That's why I love this question so much, because sometimes the advice, you might have like heard it before, but sometimes you just need the way someone says it or the moment someone says it just sticks with you differently. So I always love hearing what that moment was or what that piece of advice was for all of our guests. So thank you so much for sharing all of this very helpful advice and insights into negotiating. I definitely know that it helped give me a quick Coles notes of the course that I took and taking that in as I start my full-time job now and enter the scary world of adulting now that I'm officially graduated. So thank you so much, Professor. It was so much fun having you on. And I hope that everyone enjoyed and will take this and make sure that they do not ever not negotiate. Always negotiate. Always, always, always. I love it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Bye.